It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Recorded live. I'm on the phone, baby. What do you want to eat? Unbelievable. Yo, yo, yo. Yo. Okay. 
So what's good, man? Um, uh, man, I have, I have been dreading this day. Did not want to talk about this particular stuff, but um, yeah, I I got to. Um, so um, yeah. So I know that uh, you are aiming for like a uh, overarching theme and, and, and stuff like that, and 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 some of the stuff that I was talking about last time was trivial. But um, hold on, let me one second. I think uh, I'm trying to get these headphones set up so I can hear you better. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So there were there were uh, two two pivotal things that kind of happened in, in in my 20s in DC. Um, the first was um, a uh, young lady. I was I was dating for a while, and and that whole relationship and um, a lot of my guilt over um, how that ended up working out um, and and failing ultimately because of my addiction. And um, the other is um, some shit happened to me when I was out there. You know, I'll, I'll put it in the in the simplest terms. You know, I was I was high out of my mind and. Uh, and uh, I was with people I shouldn't have been hanging around, and uh, and someone took advantage, and, and so that shit traumatized me and, and, and fucked my head up for um, a long, 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 long time. But uh, we can we can start wherever you want. Um, let me uh, let me try something real quick. Hold on. All right, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Hold on, let me, let me get the other earpiece in. Um, damn, what the fuck? Ah, fuck it, whatever. Hey, Lance, where do you want to start? Um, all right, so, okay. Uh, Let's let's walk let's walk through both of these incidents, right? Yeah. And let's take the let's take the point of a candle. Right? So let's let's walk through it third person so that you take yourself out of the emotional rest of the situation. So yeah. let's go with the girl. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so the the girl, um, I met her at a protest when I was maybe 21 or something like that, and the way that I met her was kind of messed up. At the time, I was living in uh, this kind of commune place called the Olive Branch. That may be something to add to the story, but that that also kind of figures into the whole D.C. thing. But I I was living at this place called the Olive Branch. It was like a commune. And we did activist stuff, and we fed the homeless. We had a soup kitchen downtown, and we used to have um, exchange students come and stay for the summer. And so, um, what had happened was uh, there was this German exchange student, right? She she was Indian, but she was German, right? And um, I I'd, I'd been messing with her, or whatever. 
for a week or so, you know, just a little dumb shit. And um, so us and a bunch of folks in the house went to this protest, right? And, um, you know, while she was there, she had met someone from Germany, and, and they were talking German together, and um, we ended up going to the bar after the protest, right? And, and so um, me being the asshole that I am, um, while the Indian girl went to the bathroom, I flipped my number <laughs> to, to the uh-huh. German girl she was talking to. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was fucking, I was a savage, like I was, I was a dickhead. Anyways, anyways, as as I'm doing so, the Indian girl walks out of the bathroom and sees me doing it, right? And she, she, she's furious. She's furious, and so and so then you know. Um, that was done, right? But I ended up dating this German girl, Carolyn, for about two years, right? And um, I think it was in this relationship I kind of saw um, myself repeating a lot of the things I saw um, with my mother and her dynamics and her relationships. And so um, there, was, there was a lot of fighting for no reason. Um, there was a lot of jealousy, um, there was a lot of, uh, controlling behavior and I was I really, really, by, uh, her. huh? Controlling behavior from you or from her? Controlling behavior for me, like pretty much all me. I mean, like there were, there were certain things that she did, but like, um, and like looking back on it, like, um, I don't want to. Cause that um, catastrophize or, or or make myself off to be like this huge huge monster because at the same time like she was a pretty attractive girl and and um, and she knew it and she would pretty much like entertain like any and every guy that talked to her on some he was just trying to be a friendship you know and so as a man you know like you know better you know and, and um, I felt some type of way about it and so that was often the source of conflict. You know, um, but um, long story short, you know, like I was, I was drinking at the time and I was drugging, but like it wasn't with the purpose like it was um, later on in life, you know. And so um, yeah. that relationship lasted for like two years. We were together for nine months. Um, she was in our care in D.C. and I don't know if you know what that is, but basically like rich folks, they, they have, you know, um, kids from Europe out of high school or right before college, you know, come and watch their kids on, on some nanny type deal, you know. And so um, one of the um, dynamics I noticed in the au pair community in D.C. is, like, a lot of times, like, I would, I would go to parties and it would be, like, you know, a bunch of au pairs from, like, Germany or, or France. And all the yeah. dudes there will be black or uh, African, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah. It was just, it was just weird, man. I mean, like looking back, like I can, I can say that, like, um, the same way over here, like there's like, um, they put a premium on like a, uh, on a like Swedish models and shit like that, like the blonde hair and the blue eyes, and it's kind of like a, it's like it's like a thing. I think over there, because yeah. they don't have so many black people, they kind of look at black men the same way the women do. Where, you know? where is this? Uh, Germany. Where? Germany. Well, 
uh, a, a part of that is that after World War II, uh, the Allies occupied Germany for a long time, and the mm-hmm. black soldiers were the only ones who were kind of them. And so some of them got ingrained in their people and their children. You know, in war, you know, they treat everybody like shit, you know. Right. Uh, especially when you're occupying territories and, you know, you're raping and you're doing all that other all other stuff. But the black soldiers were different with the German people than the regular soldiers. And so a piece of that is, in fact, you know, them uh, kind of returning the favor. Yeah. So there's, a, yeah. there's an element of history involved in that. Yeah. Um, definitely. So um, I'm I, I'm trying to be as objective as possible. You know, like I was, so, I was definitely... Tell, uh, tell, you, tell your story how you see it. Don't don't adjust it to temperament. You remember that's how it is. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah. I was, I was, I was definitely jealous and uh, and controlling at times, but at the same time, she was really, really fucking flirty, man. And um, and she was still talking to her boyfriend back home in Germany while she was with me in DC for nine months. And um, she basically told me that, you know, but um, ended up falling, like, real, like, you know, really deeply in love. And I can honestly say, like, that was, like, um, my first love, probably. You know, like, I don't know how love you can be at, like, 21 or 22, you know. And uh, right right before she went back to Germany, um, she she went on a trip to the Grand Canyon, right? And Uh uh, she, yeah, yeah, she, uh, she cut it off early. Um, so she could be with me for a few days uh, before she went back home. And so we did the long distance thing for maybe a year and some change after she went back. And so um, I had uh, the first time I went to see her in uh, Nuremberg, um, I stopped drinking for like four months so I could save um, money for a ticket to go see her, right? Which at the time, I mean, like, looking back, like, I can't believe I made it that long, but, you know, I was, I was like, really, really in love, you know, and so uh, we did the long distance thing for a while, like, uh, we'd, we'd go back and forth, I'd see her, she, uh, she'd see me, and then, um, the, like, the whole time, um, I uh, am dating her pretty much, like, I had, I had moved out of the commune, and I had my own place, and I was waiting tables at a Dave and Buster's in Rockville, you know, it was, it was right off the, um, Rockville, uh, Metro stop. Right. And so if mm-hmm. you know anything about the service industry, you know, um, everyone is drinking, everyone's sniffing Coke, everyone's fucking each right. other, you know, and, in the mall we were in, um, there was, there was Dave and Buster's upstairs and downstairs, there was the, uh, cheesecake factory. Right. And so, um, people from Dave and Buster's would link up with the Cheesecake Factory cats and, and uh, we'd all get fucked up together and uh, and do drugs and drink and all that stuff, whatever, whatever. 
And um, it got to such a degree, it got to such a degree that, like, by the last time I went to see her in Nuremberg, it was like a New Year, right? And I got drunk. I got drunk, right? And so um, at that point, my addiction had progressed, you know, because I was, I was doing coke a lot, a lot, a lot, because I was making, like, 150 a night waiting tables cash and i'm over cash, there right and it, it, it's it's yeah and um i was drunk at a big new year's thing and uh i started asking all her friends for cocaine right pretty fucked up and um that was perfect that was well like all of her friends and her friends boyfriends you know like hey you know like where can i find some blow i want some cocaine and yeah i mean but looking back it's like what the fuck man like but um yeah, so, so that was the beginning of the end. I got back, and uh, we weren't together for too long after that. And then um, after breaking up with her, like, I was I was really, really just, uh, I was wilding out, like, real bad, real bad, you know. So I was, I was doing even more cocaine. I was probably going through an eight ball a night or close to it. You know, um, just drunk all the time. So, um, and uh, so one night I'm hanging out with one of these uh, cats from Cheesecake Factory, and um, <clears throat> we're drinking and we're sniffing and we're freestyling and stuff and having a good time. And we go to someone's house, right? And um, we've been doing coke for probably a good like five, six hours or whatever. And um, I. I had done enough to the point where, like, I felt like I was going to die almost. Like, I felt like my heart was going to beat out of my chest, you know. And so, um, for some reason, everyone had uh, disappeared except for me and the guy whose apartment it was. And he was like, hey, man, you all right? Whatever. I'm like, yeah, man, I'm cool. And, you know, we, we keep on doing coke. He's like, man, like, you need to relax, you know. And I'm like, I'm, right. I'm good, I'm good. And he's like, well, you know, I can, I can help you relax. And so, I'm not really... Um, in a state of mind to really give uh, consent, I guess, by today's standard, a standard that would be called rape, you know, because I wasn't really um, seen at that point. But long story short, man, like, um, I let him suck my dick, man. And um, after that, um, I can't even describe the way I felt. Like, just, just like a lot of shame. Right, like a lot, like, a lot like of shame. shame. Right. You know, and um, I mean, in the scheme of things, like I won't, I'm not, I'm not the last, and I won't be the first to have, you know, done some shit that they wouldn't normally that's, do under the influence. Junkie is junkie shit, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so uh, this obsession, you know, it, it it kind of developed. You know, like, am I gay? Am I gay? Like, am I a homosexual? And I was really, really confused and. It um, it grew to such a degree to, to where like I I developed OCD over it, you know, like right. it, it just became a now you, uh, now you got to prove it's not to where like you know I was I was constantly checking myself like oh man like did I find that guy attractive and da da whatever whatever and um, the whole thing just felt alien like it was it was. Incongruent with who myself with, with who I knew myself to be, right? And right. Um, 
it just got worse and worse over the years. And the really fucked up thing about it is the only way I could I could quiet down this anxiety or this OCD about my sexuality um, was to drink. You know, and and so one of the most effective drugs for anxiety disorders and uh, OCD is uh, benzos, like like a Xanax and uh, Ativan and things of that nature. And uh, if you take one of those, like every time you take one, like a Zanibar is, is basically the equivalent of like two, three beers, you know. And uh, yeah, yeah. So I had this, I had this tremendous anxiety and confusion for um, a long, long time, um, and I just didn't know what was going on with, with these thoughts I was having because I had obsessed over them to such a degree. They wouldn't go away, and so I would drink them away. And so at that point, you know, if I wasn't drinking with a purpose before, um, I definitely was now. Right. You know, because the uh, the intrusive thoughts, you know, the intrusive gay shit would just be like all my back uh, and all my mind all the time to where um, it, it dictated um, where I went. You know, if I could be mm-hmm. around crowds yeah. or not, if I could, you know, do social situations to where I had to be sober out there in the world to interact with people because I couldn't deal with all the thoughts that were going on in my head, right. you know. And so um, this is this is kind of a tangent, but like um, like when I was in Iraq, you know, like uh, like I was I was going through it there real bad because like you're already in a stressful situation and whatnot, and um, that that really just kind of exacerbates whatever fucking mental shit you have going on. And so on a on a whim, I just Googled, you know, um, um, unwanted um, sexual thoughts, right? And the first thing that popped up was OCD. And uh-huh. I read some of the stuff that, that uh, people were saying, and I was like, man, like, that's, that's me. And so I got some books on it and, and stuff like that. And, and all the stories were my stories. And... Um, yeah, and so it wasn't until Iraq I I figured out what was going on. So for a period of uh, you know five six years, I didn't know if I was bisexual or or gay. You know, like it wasn't the type of thing I was into when I was having these thoughts. So I would just drink to deal with it, man. You know, and um, yeah, yeah, and and. Uh, the uh the uh, OCD and whatnot. Um, I learned more about it while I was locked up uh, from from books, and it said it, it can develop later in life in your twenties, and and people who have it often come from dysfunctional families and households that um, are very strict. You know, like there's a lot of shame involved and a lot of discipline, and right. so. Um, all that stuff, you know, I'm the, I'm the poster boy for it. And, um, for a long time, you know, and this also, um, contributed to the dream. I, I, I thought like, man, like I did, I did so much shit. I fucked my head up and this is all my fault. Like I did this to myself, you know, and I would drink over that. Like, well, I mean, I'll, I'll drink over anything, you know, but like that was, that was just another thing. I mean, that, that, um, that self-loathing, you know, it was like the right. more I drank, the more I hated myself, um, you know, and uh, 
it was never like a matter of me being uh, waking up sober and saying, hey, I'm going to get an eight ball of cocaine or I'm going to get a teen or some meth or I am going to um, get a yard or some crack. And, um, yeah, like that, that type of shit never went down sober. But um, as soon as I got a good buzz going, you know, like I would, I would want to take it to the next level. And the irony is, is that um, I would, I would try to balance it out to where um, the stimulant effects of the drugs um, they would they would exacerbate the uh, the OCD. So I had to balance it out with alcohol or downers, and so I was just constantly like you know experimenting with myself. So if I got too drunk and wanted to drink more, I'd sniff a line or I go smoke some shit um, to be able to stay up and drink more. And sometimes that would take me too much one way. And I would try and find some more and yourself back down. So take Xanax. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I don't know where you want to go from there, but those are just, you know, two, two things, I guess, that I wanted to. Let's, let's talk about the commune. I, you, you seem to often find yourself in situations of, uh, counterculture or, uh, anti-authority situations, uh, whether you're um, with political parties that are not Republican and Democrat, or whether you're in communes. Like, what, what do you think this is speaking to? And how did you end up joining the commune in the first place? Uh, okay. All right. Well, um, the way it happened is um, I was living in a house in um, northeast D.C., and I wasn't on the lease, right? And the landlord found out I was living there, and they said, look, man, you got to go. Sorry, da 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 And the girl who was, like, running the house, like, she gave me a check, you know, um, to refund me my rent, and the shit bounced. And uh, she said, well, I'm I'm sorry about that, but I know a place you can go, and it's called the Olive Branch, you know. And so um, I showed up at the door, you know, and uh, I I said, hey, can you guys help me out? I have I have nowhere to stay, and um, you know, I'm I'm pretty desperate. And um, they're like, yeah, sure. And 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 so then, like, they were um, they were very very political, like like far left, you know, like anarchist, socialist, anarcho-syndicalist, communist, all that shit, you know, mm-hmm. and um, the uh, crust punk culture, all that shit. And it was ran by a dude named um, Harold Moss. And Harold Moss, he was, he was an older brother, man. He was, he was probably like 65 at the time. And his girlfriend, her name was Natalie, and she was my age, and she was German, so... There you go again with the whole black man, you know, German woman. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. And um, you know, I'm uh, I'm living there, and uh, I'm I'm starting to learn about you know uh, politics and um, you know um, revolutionary thought. And um, to uh, live there, you have to. Uh, we had to basically like volunteer at the soup kitchen we ran. And you have to take shifts um, feeding the homeless in the park. 
and um you know like you have to be engaged uh politically and so i i started doing stuff with them i got involved with the dc statehood green party i got involved with the international socialist organization the iso um i don't know if you've heard the name uh Dave Zirin, he's a journalist and an author who's done a lot of stuff with, like, Democracy Now. Um, I don't, like, if you recall when, um, when uh, Roy Hibbert said uh, No Homo in that post-game yeah. interview, he was yeah. the main one saying, like, he needs to get kicked out of the league, you know. So um, uh, Dave Zirin is the one that uh, brought me into the ISO. And so um, I dealt with them for for a while. But, um, yeah, I think maybe I – I think maybe I have uh, gravitated towards towards those political leanings because um, I have a strong sense of uh, fairness or equity and right and wrong because maybe um, my experiences growing up were not very fair. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense, and um, yeah, yeah, the uh, the economy and like the olive branch was fine, man. I mean, like we were we were doing all the political stuff and uh, and feeding the homeless and uh, and uh, leading protests and uh, locking ourselves in front of the DC police station and all sorts of crazy shit. And uh, but at the same time, like there was there was a lot of drinking. There was a lot of people taking acid. There was a lot of people sniffing Ritalins and and fucking sh- shit like that. And um, you know, so there was there was definitely a lifestyle involved there. You know, also. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? So, are you? So, is this lifestyle adjacent? Is this revolutionary lifestyle adjacent to the drugs, or? do people who adopt this lifestyle just have a proclivity towards drug use? That's a good question, man. Um, you know, cause like if you, if you look at some of because the, you're you kind know, of abandoning the underpinnings of everything you were socialized to accept. Are right. these people able to do that without abandoning convention and without, you know, taking that leap with, drugs, especially uh, mind-altering drugs like acid and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, hmm. That's a good question, bro. Um, well, I mean, like, there's lots of uh, revolutionaries, you know, who who ended up, you know, uh, drug addicts and, and alcoholics and crackheads. Like, well, the couple who come to mind are uh, like Huey Newton, Huey you know, Newton. he died behind a yeah. dumpster, uh, smoking crack and some shit. I guess his heart exploded, and uh, and Tupac. Smoked. I thought he got robbed, and sh- I thought he got killed by drug. Oh, okay, yeah, it was it was something like that. I, I don't know. Drug deal going bad, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Either way, there was there was drugs involved, you know. Right. Um, and and maybe I think, and I don't I don't want to sound cliche but as far as i know i'm 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 the only person to come up with this uh i think that uh there are so many people in this world especially in this country self-medicating uh because we live in a sick society and so those who are more inclined to care and be passionate about 
the issues and uh, and social justice, you know, they feel it more and they feel the sickness more, and so they maybe self-medicate more, man. You know, maybe. those who are less ignorant are less bliss. Right, right, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Now, you are you are married at one point, yes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was actually meaning to uh to uh talk to you about this. I I was I was talking to Faye in the car. I was like, yeah, like I'm I'm gonna have to have a talk with Donald about you know um the whole shit with my ex-wife. Uh, on the one hand, I'm like, when I write this book, um, like you know when Jay Z says on a takeover, um, you know, you know what? Did you you know? only get uh, half a bar. Fuck y'all niggas. Yeah. I was only gonna give Christine half a bar. And not even mention her, you know, in this book just for the sake of, you know, like I don't, I don't want to give her that power. But at the same time, it's a really fucked up story. <laughs> and, uh, the, well, the ability to to express that story and to share that story is removing the power of it. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right, man. Um, so there is. There's the marriage thing. Um, I don't know how chronological you want to go. Uh, there's some there's some army yeah, well, that I should also touch on also, but we'll we'll get to the marriage stuff if you want. So basically, um, I was living. Um, I had left Montana to go live in New Orleans with a buddy of mine uh, for my first duty <laughs> session. So you go from Montana to the <laughs> to yeah. New Orleans. Oh, yeah, boy. my uh, you, you my, uh for punishment, eh? Yeah, my uh, buddy Ghost from Philly, this white dude. He was a hip hop head. He was real cool. We were at the same duty station and uh, at the Old Guard in Virginia. Um, and uh, I was, I was Montana. Like things were just kind of like winding down to kind of like critical mass. Like I was, I was fucking just drinking to live. Like the OCD was um, as bad as it's ever. Then, you know, um, mm-hmm. I, I started to have some close calls with getting in trouble and shit. And uh, uh-huh. I was... And Montana uh, ain't exactly a black-friendly place. Right, right, right. And um, and I was working as a janitor, and I wasn't getting paid for it, and I wasn't getting hours, and I was just like... And my car just got repoed, and I was behind on rent. So I was like, man, it's just, it's just time to fucking cut my losses and go. And so... I catch a Greyhound from uh, Billings, Montana, to New Orleans, and my buddy Ghost, you know, he's like, yo, what's up? And um, he had a spot. And uh, in New Orleans, um, it's a it's a drinking culture. You know, like you can get like drive through fucking cocktails and shit. And, and you fucking go to the grocery store and, you know, they got they got gallons of liquor, you know, for, for a cheap. Yeah. So, Yep. I get down there, you know, and uh, we're we're going through three quarters of a gallon of rum or vodka every night, you know, between two dudes, man. Yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah. And and so um, I had um, I had transferred my uh, Montana National Guard uh, shit down to a uh, unit no, in New Orleans, Louisiana. Yeah, yeah, and uh, this is around the same time um, I used to post a lot on the OK Player message boards, and 
They yeah. said they needed writers to do reviews. And so um, I had uh, sent them some stuff that I had written for a weekly in Montana. And they're like, yeah, like we're bringing you on board. And shortly after that, um, I friended this guy on Facebook by the name of Donald Lawson. And he had a website. And I just hit him up like, hey, man, like you need writers? And he was like, yeah. And so, um, you know, I I thought I was a pretty decent writer. You know, I I thought I was good, you know. And uh turns out I wasn't as good as I thought because, like, the, like the first project he had me review, I can't remember what it was, but he edited the fuck out of this piece. And I was and I was low-key pissed, man, but... Um, yeah, yeah, the red always does it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, but uh, I ended up being uh, friends with friends with him. You know, to this day, um, and uh, he's, he's been a a great mentor. You know, and and I wouldn't be the writer I am. You know, uh, today without him. Like I, I have no problem saying that. At least as a writer, I'm 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 one of his progeny. But um, so, anyways, yeah. Uh, back back to New Orleans and and, and the whole marriage thing. Um, so. Um, I'm waiting tables again. I'm working at a seafood restaurant called Landry's. It's right by the, um, I can't remember the name of the body of water, you know, but I'm, uh, I'm drinking and drinking and, and, uh, carrying on and so forth. And, um, at some point, um, I decide, you know, I, I need to start getting laid, you know, um, at the time right. it, 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 like I was, I was having, I was having trouble, you know, meet, meeting chicks. It's probably because I was a drunk and I was dirty and I was fucking doing drugs all the time, but I couldn't get laid. And so I, I started fucking around with the internet, right? And um, I go to this website. I think it was uh, um, interracialdating.com. I was like, fuck it. This is, this is easy money. You know, like white girls always give it up. I'll just hop on there. And that is where I met this this fucking bitch from fucking Norway. And um, we stayed in touch um, while I was on a pre-deployment. Um, we were training up for Iraq, and we had to go to uh, Mississippi. I can't remember the name of the post, but uh, we began to talk on the phone all the time, and she was a hip-hop head, and, like, we had a lot in common and stuff. Like, she had, like, mental issues and shit also. And... Um, you know, um, looking back, the whole shit sounds crazy, and that's because it was. I mean, like, at that point, mentally and emotionally, you know, like, people say um, that when you use or drink or when you start, you know, like, you're basically stuck at the age you started using and drinking, you know, so I was very, yeah. very immature, you know, mentally and emotionally, you know, and I was very gullible, you know? Right. And so, um, I'm having well, a rough time in love is gullible. So, you know, that you ain't the first, you won't be the last. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, I'm, uh, I'm training with this unit, you know, and, um, and I'm still dealing with the OCD and the intrusive thoughts on top of being, uh, basically ostracized, you know, for, uh, the way I talk, being an Oreo, all the shit that I dealt with in middle school, you know, 20 years earlier or, you know, 13 years earlier, 
are manifesting themselves again with this National Guard unit, you know. And so um, I wouldn't I wouldn't say I was a pariah yet, but um, I was definitely kind of an outcast. And um, I had a really good friend by the name of Clayton Lynn, white dude from down there, who went out of his way to become friends with me and stuff like that, and, and we got real tight. But, um, yeah, so I'm – I'm talking to Christine and stuff every night, you know, like I get to Iraq, I'm getting, I'm getting calling cards up to ask, uh, right. to uh, be able to talk to her and all this stuff like that. And, um, you know, I guess, um, so they were, so this is what happened with the whole Iraq thing. I was there for maybe three months, three, four months. I, I can't remember, but, um, I obviously wasn't sitting in to the uh, unit or, you know, like I wasn't good for unit cohesion. I was just kind of this dude, you know, they they made fun of and shit, like I was Urkel or whatever. And um, what happened was me and uh, they were, they had like set up leave for everybody and I was supposed to meet um, Christine in Italy or some shit, right? Mm-hmm. And then they changed it and they said, well, you know, there's not much popping out here. Um, so we're going to send some folks home early. So leave is rescinded, and we don't know when you're um, going back to the States, right? And so me, um, I get real pissed off about it. And so, like, the one thing about Iraq is, like, you're not supposed to have drugs and alcohol, um, but they were there, you know. And so right. what me and my roommate did, um, we uh, we got a bunch of spice. Uh, before we went over there, right? Uh, that's um, synthetic weed, like you know what that is, you know. Yeah. And um, yeah, so like for me, it's kind of crazy hearing, you know, about people in Florida, you know, like uh, shooting people's faces off yeah. and shit like that. Yeah, 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 because they never did that for us. Like maybe they were like on a different formulation of the shit or some shit, but it was just like it was just like weed, pretty much. And so like we were. We were the plug for that, and um, my roommate, um, Clayton, uh, the uh, the uh, shoe next to us. So the shoe is a combat housing unit, right? It's like it's like this yeah. this it's fucking this fucking module, right? You know, and there's a there's a bed on the yeah. other side. It's pretty small, and the shoe next to us. There were there were two officers. I can't remember what state they were from. I think I think Missouri, right? And so um, Clayton. Uh, like I was, I was a PFC, I believe, and and he was a PFC. But as soon as we deployed, they um, upped our rank to uh, a specialist. But long story short, these uh, two chicks next to us, they were they were officers. They were both um, second lieutenants. And Clayton, as a PFC, he starts fucking with one of them, right? Like, Which like is a fucking that's, that's a fucking huge no no. Like we were just out there right. fucking carrying on bad, bro, and. uh she used to get alcohol scent, right? And uh, yeah. the way she did it is like she'd get like a two liter or a couple two liters of uh, of Sprite or fucking yeah. Diet Coke scent, right? And if it was Sprite, that shit would be fucking uh, 10% Sprite and the rest vodka, you know? And if it was Diet mm. Coke or Coke, it would be, yeah, it would, it would be fucking rum. 10% Coke and the rest rum, right? And right. Um, so like we were... We were getting faded, bro, and uh, we were also doing pills out there and shit. And um, but anyways, they take my leave, and um, so that day or whatever, I get I get stupid drunk. I get stupid drunk because I'm pissed off, 
and I was supposed to be um, at the supply shack to fucking hand out fucking, you know, uh, ammo for the day or some shit, and I slept through it, you know. And I wake up, and I'm like, fuck, what am I going to do? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm already going through hell of shit with this unit. I fucking can't stand them. Um, you know, and I was drunk. I'll probably get in fucking trouble. So how, how, how the fuck can I get out of this situation as a whole, you know? And so I, I took shit into my own hands, you know, and I went, I went to combat stress, right? And, um, and I went and I, and I told them, I was like, look, you know, if, if uh, this person, this person, and this person doesn't stop fucking with me, I'm going to shoot them all, right? And so they had to take that real serious. And I knew if I did that, you know, I could, I, I could fucking, right. you know, get the fuck out of there and, and and go about the rest of my life, you know. And so, um, also at the at the time, simultaneously, like uh, the OCD is like so so bad, you know, that like I have I have people call me a faggot to my face and stuff like that. You know, like I remember we had to sit somewhere for a, uh, a briefing and I got up to leave and this guy says in a room full of people, he yells it, that guy's a faggot, you know? And so there's, um, there's that going on, you know? So just shit is just fucking just whack. It's, it's real, real bad. So long story short, um, they medevac me and an escort from the unit uh, to Landstuhl, Germany, right? Yeah. And um, I get in trouble right away. Like, I, I fucking stayed in trouble in the Army. Like, it was always alcohol-related. But, like, I, I can't remember if I if I stayed out too long or, or maybe it was for fucking drinking on medication. But I got in trouble right away. But I I basically did whatever the fuck I wanted, you know? Like, I didn't, I didn't care. And so... Um, Christine, we had, we had still been talking and stuff, and, like, we'd been talking about getting, like, married and shit, and, like, I had never met her in person, right? And um, so uh, she gets a hotel across the way from where I, I'm at, and I meet her, you know, and um, she's all done up and stuff, and, and she looked kind of like, you know, what she looked like on the Internet, but she didn't really. And I'm kind of disappointed, yeah. but I'm like, you know what? Fuck it, man. Like, Fuck whatever. Right, right. I'm, I'm, I'm about to get some pussy. I'm about to marry this bitch from Norway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be great. You know? And so, um, because I was on restriction, I was supposed to be um, back in the barracks by, like, 9 or 10. But I just be over there fucking her until, like, midnight or 1 in the morning. Like, I didn't, I didn't care, you know? And, like, the worst part was, like, um, I'd wake up in the morning next to her. And I would look at her, and, like, she was, like, the type of, like, super blonde, pale person to where, like, um, her eyelashes were blonde, her fucking eyebrows were blonde, and fucking, she just looked weird as fuck, man, like, she was ugly, straight up, you know, like, she was just ugly, you know, <laughs> like, I don't know how else to put it, and, um, yeah, so she's like, yeah, we're gonna get married and stuff, I'm like, yeah, okay, da-da-da, and, um, I remember the uh, doctor at the base in Longstow asking me where I wanted to go, you know, and I said, can you please send me to Walter Reed because it's back home in D.C. That's where all my family is and uh, friends are. So I, I get sent to Walter Reed. They do a, a uh, eval, and I get released to uh, Fort Belvoir, Virginia, right? And 
this is when all the fuckery happens. Um, so I get there, and um, they said if you live in the medical barracks, like, you're not supposed to drink or do anything like that. And I get there, and there's people fucking selling pills, sniffing pills, carrying on, whatever, whatever. So I think everything's cool, right? And th- there was this dude. I just couldn't fucking stand off the fucking break, man. Like, he was a little fucking punk-ass white dude. Um, like, we just did not get along, you know, until, like, my my second night there, I get drunk and we're talking shit back and forth, and I go back to my fucking uh, room in the barracks, and I get a knock at the door from the fucking, um, the opportunity <laughs> sergeant, and they're like, and they're like, look, we got to take you back to the hospital because you've been drinking your medication, we heard, and you threatened to kill somebody. I'm like, what? And, and uh, they're like, yep, he says, and someone else claims that you threatened to kill him and given uh, your record of what happened in Iraq, we're going to have to see you back to Walter Reed for, you know, uh, about. like some psych war shit. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And so I'm there for a week, and... Um, it fucking sucked, man. Like I remember, like very, very clearly, like there was there was this one nurse practitioner, this white lady. You know, I was I was kind of telling her I was I, I was like, look, I would I would really like to have internet ac- access so I can keep writing about music and stuff like that. I write for this website, da da da, whatever, whatever. And she would kind of like um, derisively say, you know, oh well, she was like, oh well, we'll let you get back to your blog. Or whatever it is, like she didn't believe I was a writer, you know, like she was just like you know you you stupid niggas type of shit, right? You know, but um, anyway, so I get out of there after a week, you know, and um, I'm still drinking in the barracks. There's there's all sorts of shit going on, and I remember one time uh, because uh, Fort Belvoir is, is like at the most maybe like a 30 minute drive from DC, you know, like I'm. I'm back in my old stomping grounds, right? You know? And so I brought somebody with a party with me, a house party with some of my old buddies who I used to fucking use with and shit. And um, and we did some blow, right? And so I guess he got back and he told some people, you know, hey, this guy, you know, like he does cocaine, da da da, da even though he used to. And um, the guy who lives in the hall in the room across from me, um, his girlfriend, she had a... She had popped hot for uh, for opiates on a piss test, right? And um, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, uh, unbeknownst to me, you know, like they come to me on some, you know, uh, so for her to get out of, yeah. And so, like, uh, for her to get out of what she was in, um, she they told the first sergeant, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, and so they come to me on some, you know, like, hey, can you get uh, some coke? Can you get some ecstasy? You know, can you do this? And I'm like, no, like, I don't really know you like that. Leave me alone, and, you know? And so in the background, there's this whole Christine thing going on, right? And uh, right. she flies over, right? And um, and we get married in front of a courthouse in uh, Alexandria, Virginia, and my sister's there, and, and uh, you know, there's some other friends and shit. And my homeboys in D.C. are like, what in the entire fuck are you doing, T? Like, what are you doing, man? I'm like, man, don't worry about it, you know? And so, again, I would, I would just like to reiterate, like, my mental state at, at that time. This is like the whole entire adulthood, you know, from, from age 19 to 29, drugs and alcohol, drugs and alcohol, not fucking stopping. So I wasn't, I wasn't all there, you know, straight up, you know? And so I went ahead with it. 
And um, I remember, you know, before she came over, um, I was expressing um, reservations. I was like, you know, maybe we shouldn't do this. I don't, I don't think I want to do this. You know, like maybe this isn't a good idea. And this bitch fucking guilted me into it, man. Like she, she literally guilted me into it. You know, she's like, no, we're gonna do it. Like I already told all my friends. What am I gonna do? This is messed up. And I was like, fine, fuck it. You know, we'll get married. And, um, yeah, so anyways, um, we get married, you know, and, um, we are looking for a house or like an apartment, you know, and so she claims she signs one on, on Craigslist in a really dope part of DC, um, where dogs are allowed and, uh, you know, we just have to, uh, give this guy a deposit, right? Oh boy. And then... Yeah, uh, yeah, the world, yeah. The world so, famous deposit on Craigslist. Yeah, yeah. So if I recall correctly, I think I I gave the guy or wired like fourteen hundred bucks, and like he wanted uh, two stacks. And so um, I asked my sister or my stepsister Laura if if she could help us out, and she helped us out. And I go to look at the apartment, and it's in this condo, you know, and I'm, I'm trying to get in there. And um, someone says, well, you know, like, uh, all the units here are one bedroom. And I was like, yeah, yeah, man. And I was like, oh, shit, we've been had, you know. And then not too long after that, uh, you know, uh, some shit went down. And, like, this this should have been a warning sign to me, man. So, like, we would, uh, like, Christine and I would talk about hip-hop or whatever, you know. And, like, I'd bring up Acrobatic or I'd bring up Murs or somebody like that. And instead of being like, yeah, they're dope. I like them. Um, I noticed like she, she would, she would talk thing. about them like, like she was on a first name basis, you know? And she was like, she was on a first name basis with like a lot of underground rappers. And so like, so they would, they would go do shows or whatever in Norway. And somehow, some way she was on a first name basis with all these underground rappers, you know? And, um, looking back, I was like, how the fuck can I not you know all these, put... Like, are you a groupie? Right. Yeah, exactly, bro. And so, like, uh, looking back, like, I knew she was in, into the music, but I didn't realize how much the, the uh, industry was into her, literally, you know? And, and right. so I remember one time, you know, like, she said she was going to see uh, um, Fashan and uh, Exile, yeah. right? And so... You know, the, uh, the next day I call her, you know, and uh, I'm like, yo, how was the show? She's like, yeah, it was, it was good. You know, it was like, I had a good time, you know, and uh, I was friends with one of her friends on Facebook, right? And um, she posted pictures of the show, right? And I see Christine, you know, um, giving Fashan a fucking back massage and fucking like goofy pictures and shit, like, right. um Look, looking real intimate, just like laughing, like real, real close to him and stuff. Like you, right. you could tell. He ended up. You know, he. Yeah, yeah. Like you, you could tell he was gonna fuck that night, man. And so, um, right. I slip out if you recall correctly, and um, I just lose it. And so then the next time, you know, um, dude and a homegirl come to me asking for drugs and shit. Um, I'm like, sure, fuck it, let's do it, right? And so, and of course, they were not. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, like, it gets worse. It gets worse, bro. And so fucking um, the fucked up thing about it is, is that so I ended up talking to the girl and shit because, like, she's the one who wanted it. She was like, yeah, um, my homegirl's coming in from a different post this weekend, and we want this, 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 and this. And so um, I meet the homegirl, and uh, it's it's this black girl, and she's fine as fuck, man. Like, she's, like, she's really good looking, right? And so in my head, I'm thinking, well, I got two chicks, and they want some blow, and I already know what's going to pop off now. Like, like you know, right. yeah, two chicks want some blow, I'm going I'm to have a threesome or some shit, because that's just the way it works right. a lot of the time, you know? Right. And so um, I, I get her, I get them blow one time, you know, and they said it was good. The second time, the uh, chick in my barracks uh, came with me, right, and... Uh, she did some blow at my at my dealer's place, and she's trying to fuck everybody there, bro, right? And mm-hmm. um, and like unbeknownst to me, you know, like uh, so like on the way back, like we were driving back to post, and like she's talking to somebody on the phone. I didn't know it, but like she was talking to first sergeant and the platoon sergeant, you know. I didn't know it, right? But anyway, um, they used her um, testimony against me or whatever, even though she fucking used the fucking drugs. Like, I don't know how that works, but anyway, so the third and final time, you know, like I, I go and get some fucking coke and, um, uh, the girl says, uh, let's meet at the PX. And I'm like, um, yeah, that's I'm like, no, like I've been, I've been drinking, I've been snorting. Like I'm, I'm, I fucking had a bunch of advanced too. Like I'm not trying to do no, no fucking extra driving. Let's just meet at the barracks where we normally meet. So, um, I pull up to the barracks, I go to her car, I hand the shit over, you know, I get out, and, like, five guys with guns, you know, get on the ground, get on the ground, get on the ground. I'm like, what the fuck, for real? You know, and so um, they take me and they um, interrogate me, and my dumbass, I'm like, look, you know, like, I don't want the girl, you know, to get in trouble. This is all me, you know, whatever, whatever. Like, I don't want her to get in trouble, you know. Yeah, and she was a fucking uh, a CID, which is undercover cop in the military. Yeah, yeah, confidential. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And and, and uh, they're trying to get me to give up, you know, like where I got it from, you know, where where did you get it? Um, we already know who it is. We need to know his name. Da da da. da and I don't say anything, you know. And um, these fucking idiots, right? Like these these fucking idiots. Like if if they really wanted them that bad, you know what I'm saying? Like. There was a fucking GPS in my fucking truck. <laughs> right. And I was using to fucking get there. You know what I'm saying? But, like, they didn't want him. You know, but, like, I didn't tell him any names or anything like that, you know. And then, you know, they uh, they released me, you know, and um, I'm in trouble and shit. But I didn't I didn't realize the magnitude, you know, of, uh, of what had gone down, you know. Right. And so... Um, I keep drinking and uh, doing my thing, and and uh, I really have no idea like what what is that going on. Serious shit. Yeah, but I didn't realize it at the time, you know. And um, um, my uh, my using, you know, and uh, drinking got so bad. I'm like, well, you know, this chick lives in Norway. I can I can get away from all this if I just go live over there. You know, and so right. um, 
I made plans and um I got a I got a plane ticket over there to to, to Oslo, you know, and I missed formation that Monday and 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 so I was missing, right? Um AWOL. and I missed yeah, AWOL. 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 Yeah. And, no and um, I had Yeah, yeah, and like they they they're calling my phone and shit, where are you at? Specialist love, where are you at? Da, da, da. And finally, you know, I pick up and I say, Hey man, you know, like, um I think I was drunk, but this this was really fucking stupid on my part, man. Like, um I was like, Look, like you guys don't have to worry about me anymore. You know, like it's it's done, you know, it's over. I'm I'm done, right? And uh they were smart, man. They were smart. So um I I flew out from from Reagan to uh Newark International, right? And uh um, They did your passport. Huh? They did your passport? No, 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 no. So um I'm I'm actually waiting um to uh to uh, get on the flight and I see uh airport cops walk up and they're like, you know, Uh-oh. are you are you Thomas Love? And I'm like, Oh fuck. Like I'm like, Yeah, yeah. and I'm like, come with us. Yep. And uh they take me to a holding cell and shit and like, you know, fucking um New Jersey cops. They're like talking to yeah. me like, Oh, this is this is a Talk soldier shit. that's trying to desert this fucking piece of shit. Da, da, da. And I'm scared shitless, bro, and, and fucking the uh the uh, federal agent who had arrested me the night um I got popped on a base, he, he comes up, he's like, Well, I just try and run, why'd you try and run? I'm like, I don't I don't fucking know, man. And so, um I uh I get sent to Quantico, right? Oh boy. And um yeah, yeah. And the person in the cell next to me is this dude named Bradley. Bradley Manning. Currently uh Chelsea, right? Yeah. You know who that is? Chelsea Manning? Yeah. What the fuck? He's the guy who leaked all that shit to WikiLeaks, man, with the fucking uh yeah. Oh right. With right, the, right. Yeah, yeah. So like I'm gonna I'm gonna sell fucking you next a, to you him, bro. Yeah. Yeah, man. And uh I'm gonna sell next to him and like I didn't I didn't know who he was at the time, you know, like um everyone there right. like 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 we just talk about our cases and shit. He's like, Yeah, man, like, you know, I uh I don't know if you've read the news or anything, but you know, I'm 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 kind of like shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was just like, yeah, whatever, you know. Like I don't, I don't give a fuck. And I remember, hey, fucking, yeah, yeah. And I remember being fucking locked up. That was like the first time I was, I was locked up. Really, just being in a fucking rage, bro. And like the worst part about it was like it was a fucking marine brig, and marines uh, are the fucking absolute worst. Like them, them motherfuckers. Like they swear they're the shit. Like. Really um, tough and all that other shit. Yeah, 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 and and so like, in the military, like they already talk to you like shit anyways, you know, because you're you're government property and and you can't do shit about it. But like when you're locked up in a military facility, it's way worse. Yeah, and so like they would they would they would just do and say shit just to just to fuck with you, you know. And so like yeah, I made up, it again. Yeah, 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 and, and so I made it, you know. I got three, four days before I finally snapped, right? And, like, um, I can't remember what exactly happened. It was about, like, you can't wear tennis shoes. You have to wear your boots or some shit. And, like, the way you said it just fucking just, just set me off. And I just fucking go off screaming. And I fucking 
threw a bunch of shadow through the fucking bars and shit, whatever, whatever. And so I got put in a special cell, a special cell. And uh, the bed was a concrete slab. And uh, I had um, like a, like a thin blanket and, and that was it. And, um, and they give you a Bible. Right. And the thing that's kind of weird about that is like, um, I've, I've been in fucking uh, solitary before and, um, I'm pretty sure, like, with the whole, like, separation of a church and state thing, like, they're not supposed to, like, they're supposed to fucking give you anything you want to read, you know, and, like, you're not supposed to just say, here's, here's the Bible and that's it. But anyways, um, the fucking uh, commander of the whole, like, Quantico Post fucking came down, you know, because I, I, I basically, I, I stopped eating. Um I don't know if it was a hunger strike, hunger but strike. I didn't. Yeah, I was, I was like, fuck y'all motherfuckers, fuck this. I'm not eating shit. And I went like, you know, like four days with, with, with nothing. And I felt fine, to be honest. And, um, you know, uh, the commander fucking came down or whatever. And uh, I, I fucking cursed him out because at, at that point, I was like all, all fucking um, decorum and, uh, and, and the way yeah. things are, are supposed to be done and like, and a respect for rank and all that shit went out the window. I like I, I cursed out the commander. I I I, I, I cursed out the head NCO. Like I was just wilding, man. So I I stopped eating, you know. And, and they come talk to me, and and they're like, you know, well, you got to stop eating. They they said, well, uh, we see you're not eating, you know. But if you continue uh, to not eat, um, we're gonna force you to eat. So I was like, oh, fuck, you know, all right, fuck it, you know, so, um, yeah, I was in a, I was in Quantico for, for a while, you know, and um, I remember my lawyer coming, um, the uh, JAG, you know, and she says, well, yeah. you know, um, how long do you think you can do? And I'm like, you know, I can, I can do a couple more weeks, <laughs> you know, <laughs> not, not, not really realizing the fucking whole magnitude yeah. of Homeboy. the situation. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and um, you know, I think at that point I had um, I had her go into my email and uh, contact you and uh, Paul and and some other people or whatever. But uh, you know, yeah. So I remember. Yeah. Um, I went back to Fort Belvoir for the trial, you know, and um, they had me shackled, you know, like uh, my feet and my legs, you know, I'm at the PX um, getting a haircut before my trial and shackles, you know, and yeah. um, my lawyer had said, look, if you go to a jury, you know, um, they can, um, they can really fuck you over and you can end up doing so some years. Like she was out or you're doing football numbers. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's basically what she said, you know, and she said, make sure you uh, prepare a statement for the court and all this stuff. And um, I remember uh, Paul came to the trial and uh, I had to read my statement. And um, normally I uh, I stuttered real bad. But on that day, you know, like I was I was I was really, really uh, it was it was a good speech. I guess, and I just went through everything from a childhood, from like my mother and all that shit, and and her telling yeah. me, you know, she could have aborted me, and then um, my step my stepsister Laura, you know, she um, 
she told the lawyer how um, I had a full scholarship and, um, you know, when my sister got into Yale, they took out a second mortgage on the house and how I got treated a lot differently in this, that, and the third. And, um, yeah, long story short, they gave me two years, man, two fucking years. And um, mm-hmm. I, I I couldn't fucking believe it, man. Like, I was like, yeah, it was, it was fucking horrible. Um, and... Looking back on it, out, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, like uh, selling cocaine on a fucking military base, um, right. desertion, you know, um, yeah, I, I could have been it's kind of a good deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and so uh, I got sent to uh, Charleston Naval Brig in South Carolina, you know, and um uh, for all the new prisoners there in a place called uh, SEG, you know, like that's that's where they keep you for like a week before you go to uh, general population or whatever. And um, I was I was in there with some fucking killers, man. And like I didn't I didn't know it. Like it wasn't until I got to fucking Jim Pop that I knew, you know, who some of these guys like, were. Oh shit, you know. Right. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, like one guy I, I was I was in there with and uh and I SEG with. He was in there because um, his uh, platoon sergeant was on his ass about his uh, PT score. Like, he was he was too fat or something, you know? And what this dude did was um, he went back to the unit with a gun, and he shot dude in both knees mm. and both arms and nice. in the head. And in, in the head, you know? Gave like, him a five-star general. <laughs> yeah, 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 man. Just, just... Just crazy fucking shit, man. Like, and like he was like a regularized dude to me. Like, I had I had no idea he he fucking done you know um, that crazy shit. And it it just goes to show, like, you really can't just look at somebody no. and and tell what they're but capable of and what they've done because a lot of people just come off as normal. Like, you would you would never ever know, you know. But so um, yeah, so I'm in the. Uh, Naval brig, and um, I'm doing a lot of reading. I had a nice chunk of change uh, left from Iraq, you know, and so uh, we used to get catalogs every week in the mail of um, books we could order, you know, and so I started to get a lot of stuff like uh, the autobiography of Stokely Carmichael, you know, um, uh-huh. lots of stuff yeah. like that, and also, you know, and, and in terms of like um, my psychiatric shit, you know, like I, I ordered every book I could on a OCD and, um, anxiety mm-hmm. disorders. And so, um, right. you know, I, I started to really figure things out, you know, and, um, I made some good friends in there, man. Like we had a little, uh, basketball league. I remember like, um, the first one we played in. So like they had, they had broken down the housing units, you know, um, by uh, Alpha Bravo and uh, Charlie, right? And so they had me and Bravo at first, which is, you know, I I guess uh, beta males. And like the thing about um, prison, um, yeah. military prison is like um, everyone who works there for the most part, or all right, so like they're they're either really really fucking cool and they realize um, it's a prison and they're not trying to die here. Right, 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 right. And so, like, the people who work there, like, like the Navy guys, uh, like, for the most part, 
they're cool, but the fucking Marines suck, you know. And and there were some um, staff that were a civilian, but all in all, like it was it was a pretty fucking racist experience, man. Um, yeah, yeah. I can say, yeah. you know, like so, like my my case manager when I was in Bravo unit was um, her name was Miss Mrs. Platts, and um, the thing that was that was that was crazy is uh. She went to Clay High School, and uh, I guess she had, like, graduated, like, maybe, like, two years before I got there, which is really, really weird oh. and random. Oh. I guess it's not pertinent or anything, but, like, this this white bitch was fucking racist as fuck, bro. And so um, I remember, you know, like, I, I had needed to talk to my lawyer, or my lawyer was trying to get in touch with me, you know, and I knocked on her office door, and uh, she said something, and then I said something, and then... Um, I got moved to alpha unit, right, with alpha males. And uh, alpha unit was um, Marines and majority black. It was it was majority black. You know, it was it was all services there. You know, like Air Force. You know, uh, Marines, Army, Coast Guard, yeah. even. But uh, it was it was mostly black dudes. You know, pretty much. I would I would say eighty five percent black, you know, whereas uh, the one I was in, I think, was, like, a lot of child molesters and shit, and, and, and like, weird white things, but, um, so, um, I am noticing, you know, how the black prisoners are talked to in, in comparison to the white ones, right, and, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, the whole alpha male thing, it really fucking rubbed me the wrong way, because they sent me to a unit that is a majority black, and they're calling us alpha males like we're fucking a silverback gorilla, right? Gorillas and shit, yeah. Right, right, right. And so, like, you know me, man. Like, um, I get to writing. I get to writing, bro. And um, I think uh, so. Like, there is so when you're in military prison, there is someone you can write to called the Inspector General, the IG. You know, and, and so I wrote right. a letter about you know. Um, how problematic it is to to, uh, to be calling, you know, a majority black unit alpha males the, like, like like it's a national fucking uh, geographic yeah. shit, right? Right, right. Geogra- right. Yeah, right, right. And, and so, like when I'm when I'm focused and I'm angry, you know, I can I can write really really well, you know, and I can also fucking be um, a pain in the ass instigator or uh, agitator, and so. I wrote my little letter or whatever, whatever, and I was I was an alpha unit, and I made copies. I made copies, and I gave a copy to uh, each and every black prisoner and alpha unit, and some and Bravo unit, just for feedback. Like you know, like look, yeah. this is how they doing this, man. And I and was pounding like, fucking, huh? And what they were like, fuck you. No, no, it was it was like resounding waves of support. They're like, "You fucking right, oh, okay. love. Goddamn, love, you fucking got him, bro." Like, da da da. Like these, these racist ass crackers. Like, we not fucking gorillas. Da da da. Resounding waves of support, and people were talking about it all in the prison, right? So this is where the fuckery happens. Um, one morning, you know, like I get, I'm I'm getting up and I get in trouble for having a sock on, on on the ground, you know, and I get written up for that. And then it's fucking, you know, um, my toothpaste isn't placed in the correct place, and I get written up for that. And uh, finally I snap, 
and I get sent to Seg, you know, which is basically the hole, right? And yeah. uh, the first two days I'm in the hole, uh, they shut down the prison for two days, tracking that, trying to track down every single copy of that letter because they didn't want anything to pop uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. And um, luckily, I had um, I got them all back and stuff like that. But they, they, uh, they were trying to say I was I was trying to start a riot or some shit like that. But long story short, I did something like um, seventy four, seventy five days in solitary. You know, and that uh-huh. shit, that's a lot. Like, man, that's that shit. That was, I. I can't even put in words like that. It's just, it's just unnatural to fucking do to fucking do that to somebody, man. You know, like uh, put them in a room with no sort of fucking stimulation, you know, and you're just there in a cell by yourself, no social interaction whatsoever for seventy four days. You That's know. a lot. Yeah. Well, you know, I was. Uh, I have a stubborn streak, you know. Um, I can't remember, like they, I can't remember what it was, man. But like they would, they would, they would ask me, you know, are you are you ready to to, to come out and 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 act right? And I say something smart back, you know, and stay and another you more day. Right. Yeah, but that but that's just who I am, <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. man. Like I just, you know, so. Um, yeah, man, and 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 then people would come through uh, to the whole like uh, prisoners, and 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 they'd serve us, you know, um, meals and shit, and and the black guys would be like, you know, hey, love, you know, we're uh, we're with you, man, and we're proud of you, you know, and stuff like that. And um, yeah, man, like I I really got a lot of support from that, and so I get out and. Um, you know everything. Everything was cool, man. And uh, this guy named uh, um, Chesu, he was from Chicago. This African cat um, uh-huh. in the Air Force. Um, he was rapey as fuck, but like he was also a Muslim. He was like, "Look, man. Like after what you did, man. Like you know, like a lot of people were talking about it. You know, I'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to uh, Islamic studies." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so um, I did Islamic studies for. A long time, and the brother who taught it, man, his name is uh, brother um, Imam Hakim Abdul Ali. He was he was an old cat, and um, he uh, had a had a really uh, compelling story. So he um, he had like done his Hajj and everything like that. But um, if you recall, in the South, there were like um, black-owned newspapers, you know, and so like he had written yeah. or came up in the fifties and sixties writing for all these black-owned newspapers. So he was a great writer, great journalist, you know, and he kind of took me under his wing, you know. And um, Islamic studies wasn't um, it wasn't explicitly about Islam. It was more about black consciousness, you know. And uh-huh. I I got a lot I got a lot out of it, man. You know, like I got. Um, I got a stronger sense of, of uh, self, a stronger sense of blackness. You know, he uh, he encouraged my writing. You know, he said like you should do something with your writing. I actually write for a cause and and uh, speak on things. And um, he 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 always encouraged me. You know, and like he knew I had mental stuff, uh, mental stuff going on. You know, and he said, look, 
Like he, he sat me down one day. He said, look, everyone has, you know, their own, their own battles and their own struggles, you know, and like you have this, this, this stuff going on upstairs and it's, it's trash. And I want to tell you, or like he gave me a really good analogy. He said, he said, look, you were, you were carrying around all this, all this stuff from your past, you know, and, uh, you see that wastebasket right there? And he pointed to it and he said, that's like me, you know, picking up that wastebasket and, and walking out of this prison and uh, putting it in the passenger seat next to me in the car and strapping it with a seatbelt, taking it home, eating dinner with it, bringing it to bed with me. Just, just let it go. Just let it go, you know? And um, that really, really helped a lot, man. Like he really, uh, really changed, changed, changed some, some things for me. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll always look up to him. Like, I don't know if he's still alive, you know, but, like, he was more concerned um, with saving the brothers than, than necessarily, you know, uh, pushing Islam on people, you know. And so we would, we would watch all the Hidden Colors movies and stuff like that, uh, lots of documentaries about Africa and, and, the, and the black experience and, um, you know, and a racist-ass prison, you know, like it was, it, was a, it was a sanctuary, you know. Right. Oh, um, kind of thing, yeah, yeah, man. So that was, you know, that was that was real, real dope, you know. And then um, I, I had some money left from Iraq, and so I was taking college courses through correspondence. Like I could, I could afford to do it. I didn't have the GI Bill anymore because I got a bad conduct discharge, but I was kind of out of pocket, you know. And um, there was this kid, a uh, uh, Navy kid, rapist or alleged rapist, you know, who, um, I got to say for the record that like a lot of the white dudes in the prison didn't, didn't like me. Like they don't, they don't like intelligent black people, you know, like it, it, yeah, nobody intimidates them. Not even other smart niggas like smart No, right, right. Exactly. Exactly. You know? And so, um, he would, he would, you know, help a lot of the guys cheat through college by doing their work for them and stuff like that. And I guess he think we had a rivalry, or some shit like that, you know, and so um, he would always say kind of slick shit to me, whatever, whatever. Um, but uh, I remember one day, this dude named Joe Horn, he, he was an Army guy, and this dude named Thomas, he was a Navy guy, you know. We were just fucking around, joking and shit, and, and uh, he was like, oh, so, you know, if if you was doing drugs and shit, you was out there sucking, uh, sucking these little uh, niggas' dicks and shit. And... I never done anything like that, but I did let somebody suck my dick, you know, and it registered on my face. I didn't say anything. Next thing you know, they go tell the whole prison, you know, love was out there sucking dicks for crack, you know. So that was that was a huge, huge fucking thing I had to deal with or an embarrassment. I just had to sit there and, and just fucking take it, the, the clown and the jokes or whatever, because ultimately what can you do? You know, right. and um, if you deny it, you just denial and <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I mean, like there was, you know, I mean, look, there was, there was all sorts of fucking shit going on in that prison. And if I was gay and, and wanted to do gay shit, it was there, but like, I'm, I'm, I'm not gay and I never did any fucking gay shit at, at the fucking prison, man. But like, right. Um, yeah. Like, I don't know. It, it just, that kind of trips me out how like, um, women are allowed a, uh, they are experimental stage and they can be bisexual or lesbian or whatever the fuck, you know, but, um, for someone right. like me who was, who was out of his mind on fucking cocaine and let a dude suck his dick once 
all of a sudden you're a faggot or you're bisexual and that's that, you know, even though I wasn't in a condition to give right. consent, you know, like if it's right. like, if I was a woman, it'd be some me too shit. But since I'm not, you know, it is what it is. So, um, anyway, anyways, um, so I'm taking these college courses and whatnot. And, um, I began to apply to schools, right? And um, I applied to Morehouse. Um, I applied to UNC Pembroke. I believe I applied to Temple, and I applied to Portland State University, right? And the only uh-huh. fucking reason, the only fucking reason I applied to fucking Portland State University is um, my buddy Robinson. Uh, his his first name was. Bacardi, believe it or not. Like, so dude, he never took <laughs> a chance. Actually, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he was, he was born here in Portland and, uh, there was like a, there was like an ET magazine or some shit. And there was a picture of Esperanza Spalding. And I was like, bro, who's that? And, yeah. uh, it says here, she's from Portland. And this nigga looks at me. He's like, bro, they got those <laughs> everywhere in Portland. They got those type of chicks everywhere in Portland. Right. And so my dumb ass, I applied to Portland State University because I think there's a bunch of fucking Esperanza and Spaldings out here, bro. That's the only <laughs> fucking reason I'm out here. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and, um, yeah, yeah. So, I'm, I'm, I'm actually glad I went as hard and as fucked up as it was, you know, and because um, it made me a better person. I got to see what I was really made of, you know, and I feel the same way about the military. Like, even though I wasn't the best fucking, you know, soldier who fucking followed orders, you know, the the fact that I made it through basic training and airborne school and all that crazy shit and went to Ranger Battalion or whatever, like, I I was, I, I, I proved to myself that physically I was capable. You were, right. You know? Yeah. You know, and, and like when I graduated basic, that was, that was probably one of the proudest days of my life because I came into basic 6'2", 154 pounds, strung the fuck out. And I left, you know, fucking cut the fuck up, you know, pretty full, like 178, 180. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I went through the whole prison experience because without it, you know, I, I, I probably would be dead, you know. But I needed to slow the fuck down, and, and that was – you know, that was that was uh the most high or whatever telling me to pump the brakes. You know, so right. um when I get out I had a I had I had I still had some money left uh from Iraq and Morehouse had a accepted me. Um I I wrote them a long letter being being completely honest about my experience, my experience being a military person and, and, and how I wanted to go back and, and finish where I started. No, not when it's slow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Oh, and um, and at Morehouse accepted me and I, I I told all the black prisoners, like, yo, love got in the Morehouse. And, 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 and like, everyone's all excited for me. And, um, right. you know, um, I remember um, while I was there um, in prison, um, Paul had gotten me a uh, subscription to the New Yorker, you know, and these racist-ass guards used to be like, who's this for? Oh, oh love? That, that's not for love. And was like, they just cannot stand the idea, you know, of a black, black. community in the fucking New York. 
Yeah, right. So, um, so yeah, so after um, military prison, I get out, right, and um, I had opted to go to a halfway house in Atlanta, right, and the first thing I fucking do when I get out is I go to a hotel and I get a bunch of malt liquor and I get drunk, right? Because I haven't had a drink in two years, you know, and um, I like to drink. So I get to this halfway house. It's in Lithonia, Georgia, right? And I'm all excited to be going back to Morehouse to finish what I started, you know, and um, two things happen. Two, two things happen, right? Um, Morehouse gave me a shit financial aid package. I I, I think it cost right. um, at the time you know twenty four thousand a year, and they gave me like six grand. I don't know how I'm supposed to make up that shortfall, right? And then on top of that, they didn't want to take all my college credits uh, from other schools. They wanted me to start all the way over again from where I left off. Oh hell no! Fuck that. Right, 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 right. So I'm I'm living in Lithonia in this halfway house. I was right down the street. Georgia. From the Ruby Tuesdays. Lithonia, Georgia? Lithonia, Georgia. It's, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Atlanta, yeah. basically, you know. No, no, and, no, no, um, no. I know what Scott, – Scott used to live in Lithonia. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. 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 Um, so um, – this is where more fuckery happens. So the halfway house, um, like every other halfway house I've been in, you know, full of drinking, drinking, you know, okay. using shit, fucking selling pills, you know, like there's, 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 there's no escape from it for me, you know. And so I ended up working at a, at a Ruby Tuesdays up the street, you know. And this is this is a part of the story that like. I feel is is probably going to be kind of kind of problematic, but like this is what I saw and and and, and this is my truth. And so basically, I'm I'm working at this Ruby Tuesdays, and um, Lithonia, to the best of my understanding, is like where all is where all the ratchet people move from Atlanta when they finally get a little bit of money to get away from the city, right? You know, and 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 so I'm coming from prison with this very very pro-black conscious mindset. And I'm waiting tables at a restaurant with a clientele that's 99% black, right? And you know how niggas get with tipping, man. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember, you know, having to deal with it at like uh, Dave and Buster's when I was waiting tables there and stuff like that. And like, I don't, I don't mind when uh, people don't don't tip well. It's like they're nice people, you know, but like, but if they have a shitty attitude about it and, you know, they're trying to get over or like, they feel like they don't have to tip you because right. you're beneath them. I have a problem. And so I remember one time, you know, at a, at Dave and Buster's at a table, like their, their check was like $115, you know, and I had to tip out 3% on that, but they gave me a $5 tip and she had a big smile on her face. And so was the husband. The and, and well, the thing is they, they didn't know any better. So I don't mind in that case. Because some people just don't know, you know. But the, but other people, you know, they do know, and they're just like, fuck you, because yeah, whatever, like, fuck you. you know. Yeah, so I'm coming out with this very, very pro-black and conscious mindset, and I'm, and I'm waiting tables at this ratchet fucking 
Ruby Tuesdays with fucking, you know, right. people who want to send food back all the time, people who want to curse you out, people who want to talk to the manager all the time to get some free shit, people who don't want to tip. shit. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, um, to, to be honest, it, it, it just kind of took all the wind out of my sails, man. Like, I was just like, damn, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be pro-black and positive, but I'm, I'm dealing with these fucking dickheads every day, you know, who, who just, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know how else to put it or articulate it, but you see what I'm getting at, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. You have more support from niggas in jail than niggas outside. Yeah. <coughs> yeah, man, exactly. That's, that's exactly it. The so-called deplorables with more support than the people that were supposed to be free. Right. Right. Yeah. So, um, it doesn't take long for me to fall into old habits, you know, drinking again. Um, I wasn't a heavy weed smoker and until I got back to Atlanta, um, you know, cause there was, there was this dude who worked there who sold loud, you know, and I always had cash on hand and, um, you know, just, I'd get off, uh, walk across the street, get, get two forties, you know, um, I get, yeah. you know, a 20 bag of some loud, roll the blunt, get home, listen to music, drink, smoke weed. And, and that's my routine, you know? And, um, then uh, one of my roommates, Johnny, like he, he liked to get loose too. He was an air force cat. Um, he had some mental problems and shit. And, uh, we kind of gravitated towards one another cause like we were, uh, similar, you know, like we had similar backgrounds and stuff like that. And so like we ended up getting fucked up together, drinking, fucking smoking. And uh, I had a buddy that I worked with who, who sold Coke at, at, at Ruby Tuesdays. And so that, that became a thing again. And once again, falling into the same patterns, you know. And so um, one day I get an email from Christine, right? And uh, she's like, hey, how are you doing? Da, da, da. And, um, and uh, in my head, I'm thinking, fuck this bitch, you know, because um, the whole time I was in prison, I was I was trying to get a divorce from her, you know, just just yeah. for her supposed to be able to have a fresh start. But for some reason, I couldn't do it. I don't I don't know why, but they wouldn't let me. And I'm in a situation where, you know, I'm, I'm fucking drinking and using again and I'm just not I'm not feeling, you know, um, as a empowered as I was um, in prison, yeah. believe it or not, man. Like, you know, I, right. I, I wanted to be on some pro-black, you know, positive shit to just back back to my old shit. And so I get this email from her and I'm like, and, and I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, let's say I can make things work out with her. You know, I can, I can get the fuck up out of Lithonia. I have an opportunity to go live in Europe, you know, right. And so we talk back and forth and, and um, we decide, you know, that um, we're going to give it another try, you know, and um, I'm, I'm going to fly over there and live with her, right? So <clears throat> at this point, like, uh, the Ruby Tuesdays I was, I was at, like, um, I, would, I would do maybe, like, you know, 400 in sales and get off of like $65 worth of tips, man. Just, you know, just fucking bullshit, bro. Well, like, well, like, like actually, actually more than 400, but it was, it was, it was, it was just a fucking shitty restaurant and it ended up getting 
shut down not too long after I left and the general manager quit and there was all sorts of scandal with like managers fucking employees and um, yeah, I guess yeah. from the Tuesday just decided to just cut their losses. So um, I'm behind on rent at, at the halfway house because I'm, I'm not making that much money and the money um, I'm making I'm smoke. spending on alcohol and weed right. and fucking and, and, and getting all snorted out and shit. And uh, so, so one day um, I pack all my shit and there's this girl from D.C. I was cool with who I worked with. She picked me up early in the morning and took me to the airport. Right. And I started getting calls from the guy who's in the halfway house. Like, where you at? Whatever. Did not pick that shit up. Right. And so um, I go to the counter to uh, check in for my flight and my passport was all fucked up and tattered. Right. Because it had, I had taken it to Iraq with me and I always kept it on me. Um, right. You know, I don't know why I did that, but it was all fucked up and, you know, it, it wasn't acceptable for them. And so I had to um, get an emergency passport and I had to uh, hit up another female friend. I know her name is Leah. Um, she helped me out and um, I ended up getting a new passport, you know, and the uh, prison shit didn't show up or anything like that, you know, and uh, I go to Norway, right? And so. Uh, I get off the plane, you know, and um, I see her, and uh, she, she's just busted, bro. She's fucking ugly, man. <laughs> I, I don't know how to put it. Like, it's just, it's not, bro. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I, I think the shit like that women do with makeup is so fucking deceitful, bro. Like, but whatever, <laughs> you know. Like, I'm, I am, I am fucking there to work it out, you know, um, and. Uh, and just see where things go. But worst case scenario, I had a homie from the Olive Branch who had married this white girl in Berlin, and he was with her long enough to actually get German citizenship. So if shit didn't work out, you know, I could right. always just fucking bounce out to fucking Berlin, you know, and be, and be straight there, you know. And um, so I'm in I'm in Norway. You know, she's got uh she's got three dogs. I think they are Staffordshire Terriers. Fucking just badass fucking dogs, man. Like always fucking biting people and shit. Like, um, she basically treated her dogs better than me. But you know, like we're we're trying to make it work, you know. And um, I had had sex in probably like two and a half years at, at that point. So like, the sex was whack. It was just whack and stuff like that. And um, you know, I'm doing my best to fucking try and find a legit way to, to to work, right? Because we are legally married. I should be able to get right. citizenship, right? Um, long story short, she didn't want to do the paperwork or probably necessary paperwork for me to actually get a work. Wow. Me, right? So she had That's all these controls. Up. She so had all the money. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, well, so right, she wanted right, you so to be her au pair and shit. Right. So, like, she claims she claims that because um, um, because we got married, that um, the government cut her benefits in half, you know, and for me to to you know, to live there, she had to demonstrate to the government that she could support both of us, but she couldn't because uh, she said uh, when we got married, they cut her benefits in half. Here's the thing: there's no fucking way, you know, we government would know that she got married in Alexandria, 
Virginia. There's just no way whatsoever. And looking back on it, right, so this is this is even more fuckery, man. So um, while I was in Lithonia, there was this artist she was trying to get me to listen to. You know, she's like, hey, man, check out this cat, Sean Bourne. He's from D.C. He's real, real dope. Check him out. And so she sent me a, a couple of his mixtapes and his albums, and I I didn't think much of it. I, I thought, this is pretty fucking mediocre. I don't, I don't understand why she likes it so much. Right? Right. My spidey senses should have been fucking tingling. They should have been right. tingling. Right? Like, why the fuck right? you asking so, about this nobody nigga? Right. Right. So, um, I remember I was on a on a on a Google chat with my buddy Mouth. He's a cat in Berlin, right? And I was just like, bro, like this this chick, I'm just not feeling it. You know, like I don't like this whole situation. I can't work. She's not helping me. I'm not really attracted to her or anything like that. And um I guess I had left my laptop open. So she read the whole conversation, right? And um I was going to the park every day to uh, play basketball, and um, I had got on with the semi-pro team, you know, like the season was going to start and everything, and so I was practicing with them. And anyway, one day I get home from work early, and um, she's been Skyping with some dude, right? And um, she had cut off the conversation, but I look on the screen, and I see a bunch of hearts and fucking kissy kisses and shit like that. I'm like, oh, that's weird, you know. And I asked her about it, and I'm like, let me see what's going on. She's like, no. And I'm like, who is it? She's like, oh, like he's an old friend. He was a dancer. You know, he was a friend. And so I saw the name of the dude, and I look it up, and it's a black dude, of course, right? And so I'm like, wow, this is, this is pretty fucked up, you know? And so um, I start I start going through her uh, the electronic uh, history with a fine-tooth comb. Right, and so there were at least on one occasion, you know, like she said she was headed to D.C. Right, and all her friends are like, "You go, girl, did it or whatever, whatever." And I go to Sean Bourne's artist page, and she's all over it talking about, "I can't wait to see you, the sat and the third, blah blah blah." Mind you, the whole time I'm locked up, she is talking shit about me to my family and trying to get money. Um. Anyway, right. she can. Yeah, 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 yeah. Meanwhile, she's fucking flying to the U.S. and fucking rappers. And then, you know, going to have the nerve to, to try to get me to listen to him? What type right. of... What, like, what the... What kind of game Bro, like, I don't, I don't wish death upon many people, man, but, like, yeah, you bro. know, like, I, like, I wish... Yeah, that's, that's fucking grimy, bro. And so then... You know, I was like, well, it I looks would like uh, great to help the flowers grow. Right, 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 right. And so I confronted her about it. I said, I said, hey, did you do any traveling or anything while well, I was locked up? And she was like, no, I've only been in Europe, lying ass bitch. And, um, you know, I, and I said, well, it seems like you went to D.C., you know, did you did you go see uh, Sean Bourne? She's like, yeah, I went for a show. Da-da-da. And but so, so, you know, so, and, so how you didn't do no traveling but went for a show? Yeah, and and, and really, if, if the fucking government cuts your benefits in half because you're married, how in the entire fuck are you flying back and forth to the U.S.? How 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 does that work? If if you're 
this shit getting half the benefits and you have rent and shit. Right? This right. is just a fucking liar, bro. Anyways, um, so then I'm like, so you went to a Sean Bourne show and, and you guys hung out and stuff and, you know, um, and I was like, what did you guys do? She's like, oh, we mostly hung out in the hotel room. I was like, oh, so you guys were just hanging yeah, out no. in your hotel room. You know, and, and she's like, yeah, but we didn't do anything. Yeah, whatever. Bruh, I see. I didn't even bruh, ask you that yet. Bruh, what the fuck? Fuck, man. So let me let me just frame this for you real quick. So I get out of prison. You know, she hits me up. Let's get back together. By the way, check out this artist. He's really dope, right? This same dude, while I was locked up and she's talking shit to my family, trying to get money and whatnot, she's fucking him while I'm in prison. I get out and she's right. trying to get me to listen to his music and like his music, right. bro. Like, what, what the, bro? Like, this is, right. Right, and so then, like, the other thing that, that, that fucking tripped me out is, like, all all of a sudden, she became an average fan of the NBA, right? So it turns, oh, out, um, it turns out she went to Philly. She flew to Philly, right, on another occasion while I was locked up. I was, in, I was only locked up for two years, and I'm pretty sure she went to the U.S. three fucking times while I was locked up. How are you doing all right. that if, if the government cut your benefits? So, anyways, she went to Philly, and she's like, yeah, well, I went to hang out with my friend, and like, she really likes the NBA, and da 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 and, and we hung out with Reef, Reef the Lost Cause, you know. Oh, who's that black rapper? Yeah. Yeah, bro. And so, basically, from what I gather, her... Her fetish was, was to such a fucking degree that, like, she would just watch the NBA to to lust over the dudes with her other little fetish friends. So she, she's, she's, she's flying back and forth. She's fucking rappers like a groupie. She's been fucking rappers like a groupie, you know? And this is who the fuck I married, bro. Like, ha, ah, man, that was a fucking disaster, bro. A fucking right. disaster. But, you know, that's, that's what happens when you fucking this is Jamaica, drink a drug. Unstable. Black. Yeah. You fucking make dumbass fucking decisions like I did, man. And, and uh, unfortunately, I'm still fucking legally married to her, bro. Like, I had gotten help from a lawyer here for free who fucking helped me do all the paperwork. And she came stateside um, last summer, right? And she was in California. Yeah. And I had all the paperwork ready. And I fucking said that right. shit to her and everything. And I said, look, all you got to do is take it to a notary and send it back. And I will fucking pay the fucking $400 court fee so we can be divorced, right? She couldn't even do that shit, bro. She said that she didn't have time to go to a courthouse to get a notary. I'm like, you stupid fucking bitch. All you got to do is Google notary, and you can do it at a fucking UPS store for $10. Right. Like, so, yeah, as far as I know, I'm I'm still legally buried to her and fucking, you know, for it's. I think forever. Yeah, huh? Well, maybe she'll die and you'll get some benefits. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Well, like, do you know technically I'm a I'm a fucking stepfather, bro? <laughs> she had Ooh. a kid. Someone knocked her up. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, she's over in fucking Holland working for Tesla or, or, or some shit. But, like, um, you know. So and, you should and take like, it to man. Yeah, well, like, I... I remember 
you know, like when I first got here in Portland, being being homeless shit, um, being homeless and shit, and uh, talking to you and, and being like, dude, like I'm I'm homeless right now, and this chick is bugging me about getting divorced and how I should pay for uh like for the whole thing. When in reality, like it takes two to tango, you know, like right. she she fucked like number one, I didn't even want to fucking get married, you know. I was kind of fucking forced into it, and she fucked up the most, you know. But but somehow I have to foot the bill for the tab. But you know what? I don't I don't want to fucking like um, interact with her any more than I need to, you know. So I'll I'll just foot the I'll foot the bill to save the headache because I don't know what else she's capable of. She's not. Ugh. Yeah, so that's that's definitely. A, a large point of frustration in my life. Like I just, I just want to forget the whole thing happened. But unfortunately, you know, legally, I may still be married to this person, and she makes more money than me. You know, obviously working for Tesla or whoever. But you know, she doesn't want to pay for it. And I told her, you know, um, that she could just take the paperwork and get it notarized in Europe and send it to me. And she hasn't done that. And it's it's been like eight months, bro. So somehow this is just all on me, but um Yikes. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's the long and short of the marriage. I guess. I mean I'm I'm sure there's shit okay. that I'm forgetting. Um I'm hoping I mean like yeah, so this is so I'm I'm hoping, you know, like if you if you have the time, you know, if you if you really work with this Book on, uh, book with me as a as a collaborator, you, you know, like, um, kind of like how, um, huh? Repeat that last one. Well, God, I, my earphone, my oh, earphones came out. I am. Oh, it's fine. I am. If I have, I am uh, hoping. I am uh, hoping, and I and I and I'm asking you to to uh, to help me with this every step of the way, like, um, okay. kind of like, kind of like how um, Alex Haley. Or whatever, I'm Malcolm X. So like, you know, I'm not saying I'm Malcolm X, but like the same process where like you, you get stuff out of me that yeah. I didn't think about, or 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 stuff I forgot, or you bring insights, uh-huh. you know. So yeah, because like I remember I I talked to so I let I let Faye hear our last conversation, and she brought up something really really good that I hadn't uh, thought of, and she said um, after Morehouse when I got back to South Bend. Um, maybe I got into the drugs to the a degree I did is because I thought I had escaped South Bend and all that stuff. Yeah, and I found myself and you going back? from yeah, and that's that's actually a very very valid point. And so like I need that kind of insight, man. Like you know, like I can't do it all myself, bro. Like I want it to be good, but there's obviously stuff that I'm going to overlook and, and and stuff like that. So um, I'm here. Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, and also, we don't have to do two hours, man. Like, it's just, you know. Nah, but that's that's kind of the narration style. So, you're not really able to hone in on stuff. You have triggers with your conversation. So, yeah. one thing kind of brings out something else. So, you don't yeah. allot for that. Yeah. And yeah. there's stuff that won't be uncovered. Yeah. So, um, 
And the other thing that I am, uh, that I've been kind of marinating on is uh, how I'm going to describe my childhood or go into detail because Leslie was saying, you know, like I need to show, um, you know, like what, what my experiences were, you know, and, and right. um, I remember, yeah. you know, a, a lot of being made to feel, you know, like I'm not, I'm not good enough or always being antagonized or pick that, you know, but it's been so long. It's kind of hard to remember, you know, concrete examples verbatim of things she said. Like I remember stuff like her saying, I could have aborted you, you know, but as far as the other it, stuff and, and there's being that has little creative license, you were, you remember it as closely as you can remember. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so with, so we she Paul came to see her in jail. Where was she? Uh, we uh, yeah, we weren't talking. I yeah. I think I talked to her once, once in the past um, ten years, maybe like four years ago. I talked yeah, to her on the phone and. And the first thing she said to me was, I'm sorry for sending you to that school. But generally speaking, you know, I, um, she she has uh, a way of setting me off to, to where I just don't want to deal with it because it's so toxic. Like, I just don't, you know, yeah. Uh-huh. And I'm sure when she talks to me, she has to, you know, maybe recognize or remember, you know, her role as a parent. Or lack thereof. If she even feels guilty about it, I doubt she does. Like she's kind of a psychopath, man. So yeah, I don't know. Because you said, I mean, um, I know you mentioned Paul initially as an enabler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like, so is it, do you think it's like white guilt or like what is? No, man. Paul, straight up, straight up. Paul, Paul was pissy with. He was dating a very attractive black woman. Uh, uh-huh. 20 years, 15 yeah, years. so she put that thing on him, put that OG yeah. puss on him. Yeah. He, yeah, he, he, he was, was just gone in the wind. With, man. That's all it was. Yeah. And I'm not saying he didn't love her or she didn't love him, but but, uh, but like I said, you know, um, last time, like, you know, maybe she just found someone she could finally uh, manipulate yeah. to the yeah. degree that she would want to be able to. Someone who didn't have better options. Someone who would be so happy to be with her that they would put up with anything she did or said. You know? So. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So this is a, this is a good one. You got some more stuff out. You think so? Yeah. 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 I mean, you got to think of this as a movie, Right. Yeah. And so when you start thinking about, you know, the whole military shit, that's a whole that's a whole movie by itself. Yeah, well I had I had a two stamps in the military, right? So there was there was the one the first one when I enlisted in two thousand six and I was out within a year where I had gone to gone to airborne school and I did ecstasy yeah. for my last jump where I was high and shit like that and yeah. Um, 
And then there was Montana, um, which there's a story there. Um, yeah, because you, you didn't really go into Montana much. You kind of came in as you were leaving. So that may be another. Uh, yeah, there's Montana. Uh, I spent um, uh, seven, eight months um, working for um, a exotic animal park in Oklahoma. And it was kind of on some carny shit because like, we would go on the road to malls of like baby tigers and the lions and bears and set up and try and get money from people to uh, donate to the park. And so I, I, I did a lot of time on the road doing, doing some carny shit. And I also worked at the park and I was in charge of, of uh, apes and uh, certain tigers and groups. So I have, I have a lot of stories or I, I don't have a lot of stories from that, but I do have stories from that, you know, um, I live a crazy life, man. Like my, uh, Dad, it's a video, and I passed it, and uh-huh. I wanted to watch it, and then it's ending back. That's just a commercial. Oh, whoa, whoa. Let's go back. Yeah, pick one you watch. All right. All right, see, I'm here. Oh, yeah, yeah, So, um, I work at a uh, exotic animal park. Um, you know, and my buddy Ed uh, from the Dave and Buster days, like we stay in touch. He he called me a uh, airborne lion tamer. <laughs> you know, so I, I mean, like I've I've done a lot of cool shit, man. Like I've definitely done a lot of fucked up shit, but there's not many people who can say, you know, well I'll jump out of airplanes with rangers and and, uh, and special forces, and then also on the same token, like you know, I was. I was uh, taking care of, you know, lions and, and grizzlies and um, yeah. all sorts of crazy shit. Yeah, man. So, um, chronologically, what have we covered so far? So, I'm assuming at some point, like, like, like once we go all the way back, we're going to want to cover childhood and stuff. I don't know if, if we're going to do it by period of years or whatever. Um, well, you... The whole childhood is not as important as the vital touch of childhood, the touchstones of childhood. So, you know, you don't have to go, well, when I was five and I was six. Okay, so let's say, first of all, we don't have memories before we're four years old, pretty much. Right. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. so now, you know, where was I? What was I doing? When did these things start to manifest where I began to feel less than or, or feel awkward or feel ostracized or feel under pressure or unloved or whatever it is that you associate with dealing with your mother. And right. then you may want to identify when you felt, when you began to realize that this is a and you are not the source of that psychosis, but a victim of that psychosis. Yeah. Yeah, I was yeah, I was actually thinking the other day. So from my perspective, it seems like all of this has been kind of a slow kind of uh build up from point A to point Z, you know, and I I feel like you're looking for um eureka moments and 
I don't know if I necessarily have like moments where it's just like, you know, um, like you mentioned, uh, Saul getting struck by lightning or whatever on right. the donkey, you know, like everything right. kind of leads up logically to the next point. So they don't strike me as Eureka moments, you know, and I know yeah. you want and, that, but I don't know how to um, well, differentiate that. Have, it doesn't necessarily have to be a Eureka moment, but what we do have to do is connect narrative points so that this thing is a little bit more linear because we're already out of sorts by starting in media red. So we start it and then we go back to the beginning. So there has to be some kind of linearity that will kind of frame the narrative because we got every story. has got a beginning, a middle, and an end. And stories, I guess, when you start talking about movies and novels, they have a character arc. So, yeah, you know, the protagonist of the story, you know, what is his origin? What is his mission? What is his obstacle? How does he overcome that obstacle? And then what's next? So we have to get to the core of who you are. And this is the journey of discovery because everybody doesn't know who they are on the surface. Sometimes we yeah. find it by association. or Sometimes we find it and we go, oh, shit, I don't believe that. Yeah, yeah. And what, what I would invite you to do, I had a class uh, a couple semesters ago, and there's this thing where you ask maybe 20 to 30 people that you know to tell you a story or give you an instance where they felt you were at your best. And Wait, can you repeat that, please? You you get twenty stories, twenty to thirty stories of when they remember you at your best. Right? So mm-hmm. these would be friends, associates, coworkers, family members, and any any enduring relationship that you have. And you'll find that some people remember things that you never remember. There was a woman I worked with um, who had just gotten divorced from her husband. And she came to work in my office back when I was doing real estate. And her mm-hmm. husband used to come around the office every once in a while and then kind of stalk her and shit. So yeah. I vaguely remember that time, but the way she was like, oh, he came by kind of being aggressive with her. And I went outside and talked to him, and he never fucked with her again. Yeah. I don't remember it because it, it it wasn't and it, it wasn't a pivotal time to me, but obviously yeah. it was a significant point in her life. So she remembers it with a detail that I don't. Yeah, you know, and 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 it happened a lot. You know, you just don't you don't see the effect you have on the lives of others until the lives of others reflect that back at you. So, you know, start 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 asking these people who you are to them and how you perform to them. And what, you know, who are you at your best? Because anybody, you know, we're our worst critics. So we can we we know when we were at our worst. You can recall that yeah. anytime you want. But again, when you're the hero of the story.
Hello? You're the hero of this. Yeah, hello? When you're the hero Is someone of trying to call story. you? No, I don't think so. Because you keep fading in and out. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably just signal or something or whoever the fuck. Oh. But um, I still got my phone in my pocket. Oh, okay. How's this? Is this better? Yeah. Yeah. So in, in, in the end, we have to find something for people to latch on and root for. Okay. It's, it's not a tragedy because you're still here. Yeah. And we don't, we don't have it. It's still here. So what we do need is state of this narrative as it pertains to what is next for you. You know? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like okay, I hit rock bottom. I almost died. I lost everything. And now I'm here. And why am I here? What do I want? What am I looking for? Am I going to accept this as the lowest I can go? Am I still looking for the fucking bottom? You know, if I have accepted this bottom, what am I doing to rebound, to rise, to swim from the depths of this sea of shit? And and that that's kind of what you have to figure out yourself now. Now you have to tell yourself, I've been there, I've done that, I don't want to go back there no more. I've been a, I've been made aware of some things, and I am a self aware person. And so, I think that if I remove the triggers and I remove the idea that I am undeserving of success, how mm-hmm. high can I go? Uh, I yeah. sco- I've scored in the 97th percentile of exams. I've done miraculous things. I've survived incredible falls. So it is within me to get up stern stuff. It is within me to advance and to prosper. And the only reason I haven't is because I haven't accepted that I am worth prosperity. Well, now I think I am. So what's next? Okay. And that's, you know, right? So, yeah. I mean, so that's it. So, ruminate on those things. Review the tape, especially the end, because there's some questions we just went over that you're going to have to answer yourself. And keep it moving, man. Same time next week. Okay. So, you said ask 20 people about yeah. the best means or, or who you were. At your best. Okay. Give me give me a time when I thought when when you thought I was at my best. Okay. Let me write this down real quick. And I send you I uh, send you an example. I I think I still got it. So I'll send you an example. Okay. Who I was at my best. All right. Uh thank you very much, Mr. Hall. Um if you could shoot me and left her the audio, she said she wanted to hear more. Um, right. That'd be great. All right, appreciate okay. it. You have a good one. Two. Go on. All right. Peace.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.